listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. If you are a creative person, you know how easy it is to get lost on the creative journey. And that's why this show exists, to help you get back onto your path, back unlocking your creative potential. That is what this whole thing is about. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Today on the show, we have none other than illustrator extraordinaire Rebecca Green. Rebecca has been a longtime friend of the show and I've been wanting to get her on here for a long time because Rebecca's work is incredible. This illustration is kind of my my favorite type of illustration where it's kind of the iceberg thing of you there's this part that you see but you can just get this sense that there is so much depth in the richness, uh, both aesthetically, but also in the world building and the attention to detail and in the love and care that's put into all of the characters. If you're savvy to the whole picture book world, you've probably come across some of her work. The how to make friends with a ghost is deep, sad, beautiful, fun, you know, mystical, becoming a good creature. Very, very gorgeous, that book. A Year with Mama Earth, a whole bunch of others. Go check out Rebecca on Instagram. It's a great add to your feed. She just has one of the most visually rich Instagrams on the platform, at Rebecca Green Illustration. Not to mention, I don't know if there's much more of a kind of huge flex like the fact that uh Holbein their new packaging for 
the gouache paint has Rebecca's artwork on it. It's like, I own the medium and I really, she probably wouldn't like me saying that, but I really feel like she does like the, the, the layers and the analog textures that are going on in this work are just to die for. I was so inspired by this chat. I hope Rebecca comes back on. I think um, I'd love to have her back on the show because I think she really represents a bunch of the qualities that we talk about week in and week out. You know, things like staying in tune to your your inner creative voice and how to pay attention to that and find it and listen to it and trust it. I, I just think that there's just so much to take away from this. So I'll shut up. Here it is. My chat with illustrator Rebecca Green. Well, thank you for doing this. I am so excited to have you on the show. It's been, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, actually. Um, well, so thank Rebecca. you. Likewise. You know what? Yeah, I listen to the show all the time. Spent hours and hours and hours listening. So it feels very crazy to be talking to and be on it. It feels very meta. So I'm, well, I'm pumped. Really nice. And you... You go by Becca or Rebecca? Yeah. Okay, Becca. Yeah, either, but yeah, Becca. Can I call you Becca? It seems like, yep, is that a friend do. thing? Okay. Please. Um, <laughs> okay. So I have a bunch of questions, but I okay. thought, really, I feel like you've very legitimately lived a hero's journey of going <laughs> from someone who, and correct me, any of these facts that are wrong, you correct me. Okay. But going from someone who grew up in Michigan, Mm-hmm. who with parents that didn't go to college right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to to ending up being this illustrative storyteller living and working in japan like that and i know you're back now you're all mm-hmm. you've done the the return that's the yes. that's the that's the yes. full hero's journey like you have like i know that means you've got some elixirs to share like you have picked up some stuff along the way and so i'm i'm very excited to dive into all that and I thought, why don't we just start back all the way to the beginning of wanting to become an illustrative storyteller. And I'm curious, what illustrative storytelling or, or story or illustration hit you so hard as a kid that you went from wanting to just be a consumer to wanting to participate in this thing? Like, what were the things, what were the picture books or the illustrations or the stories that hit you so hard you're like I want to do stuff like that or I would I just want to pick up a pencil and draw this or whatever it was what were the big ones for you yeah well it's funny I I will say like I feel like I am not like I feel quite inadequate as a storyteller I feel like I internalize moments and events and connections to people and then that's what propels me but like as far as telling around like a well-rounded story I just feel like so I almost feel like a fraud in the storyteller sense, but I do feel like, you know, I've been drawing forever and I, and I, but, and I do remember specific, uh, I remember on the back of my dad's reader's digest was these, uh, Chris Payne. Is that his Chris Payne? Yeah. I know uh, yeah. Chris Payne. He yeah, actually yeah. taught at the school here, um, that I oh, taught awesome. a class at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I would see his illustrations on the back of the Reader's Digest and I was like, oh my gosh, somebody draws pictures for a job. Like he yeah. has his pictures on a thing. And I, I just remember thinking that was so cool. Um, and then the books in the library, I was just definitely like a repeat book. Like 
I would just check out the same book from the library, like, mm. you know, every week, which was Garfield's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, um, I love this. And is that the same uh, one that inspired like the like the TV special? Do you know? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Because I definitely maybe I'll have to, I'll have to look that. into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You tell me because that was a big deal in my childhood. Um, okay. But keep going. Okay. Uh, and then another book that I remember was um, it's called Bony Legs by Joanna Cole, and it's illustrated by Dirk Zimmer. And that one just has so many little hidden details in it. So many like little hidden animals that are kind of telling the side story within the story. But I feel like I'm just starting to recognize some of the patterns in my work now. And then I'm like, oh my God, I've always been drawing that. I've always been looking for that. And I never kind of put those pieces together. And those things are pretty simple, but those things are celebration and family and Mm. food. And so they're not necessarily like these epic stories. And so it's just been interesting kind of being in the picture picture book industry feeling like, wow, I'm not really a storyteller. And what, what am I like trying to actually say? And yeah, so it's been kind of uh, interesting going back to that. And also one more thing <laughs> is that as a kid, I was obsessed with elves, like Christmas elves. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I've seen you talk about this on Instagram <laughs> at some point. It's just kind of like a random thing. And I remember um, being with my friend Sam and I, I was like, can we just pretend we're elves and we're like fixing toys? I was like, we would just like sit in here with all these toys, pretend they're broken and we're fixing them. And I think she was like, um, this is not very fun. But for some reason, I love that idea of, I don't know, I guess making things and you're like in this community and, and then you're sharing them with people. Yeah. Uh, I, it take, it's taken me a really long time to figure out like why that was, why that's fascinating to me or, you know. <laughs> Can you tell me, I think I understand, but I just want to dive deeper on why, why do you think that is? Why is that fascinating think, and important to you? I think that, um, I think celebration is like a, a huge part of why I make things and what, uh, I think because those were the, the moments in my family that felt most like we were together and we were a family. It was always kind of like marked by those celebrations. Mm. And um, yeah, it was a little bit honestly chaotic. My childhood was a little bit chaotic and like unpredictable. Um, a lot of moving parts and like moving. And and so I I just feel like maybe I resonated with that, which was like when there was a holiday, we were together. And... I think I especially feel that now, even, you know, um, in hanging out with anybody, I just feel like if you do the smallest things to make a moment special, it's special. And like, that's Mm -hmm. what's important. So like if, even if you're having dinner and it's a Tuesday night and you light a candle, that's a celebration. Like you're just marking those smaller moments. And so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to put that into my work, you know, but. Mm. Well, you do, you do do that. And I, first of all, I just want to. Okay, I took eight notes while you're saying that. Okay, I just lit all the stuff there. But I want to I want to go all the way back to say that I don't know. You you just started off with saying, well, here's why I'm not a storyteller, <laughs> and I actually just want to push back on that because I think you're first of all, I think you're a brilliant storyteller, and there's two things. There's one is I think that there's a lot of pieces to stories that make them work and make them what they are. One part of that that I've heard you talk about a few times from doing research and just following you over the years is you talk about details a lot. 
you're a detail mm-hmm. person. And, you know, a big part of storytelling is details. You know, the James Joyce in the particular lies the universal and you've put so many details and hidden Easter eggs in your work. And that's obviously a huge part of what you do. And that's, that's storytelling. That is storytelling. So I just want, I just like encourage you to like (laughs) own that. And then the other thing is in terms of like a full circle story, I want to get into what you're doing now. And I want to talk a little bit about your, your ghost book. Cause I know that was a big moment for your career, but I read a review of, uh, on Amazon. I always, on my own books, the, the, the bad reviews are always so funny because they're always <laughs> from some perspective of somebody like who just, this is not for them. And somehow yes. they got this thing. And I never, I always thought it would crush me, but when it's some random person online, it just makes me laugh. And they're, they were like, do not read this book. It's super sad and grim at the end. And it's about dying. And I thought, and and they're like, don't be fooled by the cover. And I'm like, it's about a ghost. What do you think? It's like ending there makes total sense. Death. Like, yes, totally. Anyway, plus newsflash, we all die. Yes. Um, but that's a great circle. And, and I've heard so many people, their response to the end of your, and we'll probably cut out most of me talking about this, but I just want, I just had to, I just had no, to stop really your tracks funny. and be like, you are a great storyteller. And I've heard so many people be touched by that story. And, and not only that, I feel like, God, we're definitely cutting this out. Okay. Because I'm going <laughs> on a rant, it's just okay. trying to <laughs> encourage you. Um, but you know, I think as an illustrator, illustration is, I think it's a lot like acting. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. acting is, you're given the script. And I feel like acting has the celebrity to it. So there's all this like, you know, mystery around it and they're so appreciated. But I mm-hmm. don't feel like illustrators get the same thing. And when illustrators go to talk about their work, which I really think it's writing with pictures, mm-hmm. they're asked to talk cerebrally about something that's very intuitive. Yeah. And if you do yeah. that to actors, they come up empty too. They're like, I don't know what to tell you. I really, a lot of actors <laughs> are like, I don't talk about it because it's, I can't put it into words what I'm doing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about that just in terms of, well, not talking about it. I, whenever I do a show, which I don't do them often anymore, I don't do an artist statement because I don't need to explain to you what I've just made. I've just made it for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and second, I feel like illustrators are, they are actors and I feel like you have to be so empathetic and like understand the emotions of so many characters. Um, you also have to be like a set designer and a costume designer and like a world builder. It is an intense job <laughs> to create a world, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's it's a lot for sure. And, and I that's guess, all storytelling. Yeah. 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 Well, I really appreciate <laughs> your <laughs> your enthusiasm. It does make me feel better. I think in the in the like a um, quintessential like storytelling sense when I think like it has to have a plot and it has to be clever, you know, it has to be, you know, have all these specific things and it doesn't. But when I think about myself as a storyteller, I feel like I come up short, but I do love to world build. You know, and that's a story in and of itself. So anyway, I appreciate that. And I think also maybe uh, in comparison to me, I feel like you are more of a true illustrator. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I just mean that I think that 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 side of storytelling is a big, huge part of 
what the illustrator does. And when I was collaborating, when I collaborate with my wife, she's bringing most storytelling is some form of collaboration almost in every form. And I think she's bringing what you seem to be bringing, which is a lot of the like richness in the detail where I'm all big picture. I, we always mm. say like I'm head in the clouds and she's feet on the ground. And that's awesome. uh, yeah, I think that it's, that's kind of sounds like your side of storytelling. And, and I also think like you're good at the other stuff too. I want to go back to some of the things you pulled out and just, okay. I wonder what was the, um, what's the one, the one I'm not familiar with is the third one that you said, which is something bones. Tell me oh, about that one. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I should have pulled it out. It's called, um, bony legs bony and it's legs. the, um, it's like a Russian folktale story of Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga, the witch that lives in the, am I, I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get it's, corrected. It'll be fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's about this um, girl, Sonia, who goes to fetch some butter and milk and, and some stuff for her aunt. And she goes to this house and the house is on chicken legs. And she essentially like the witch wants to eat her. So she puts her in the bathtub and essentially this little girl like gives her milk to the cat and she gives her butter to the creaky gate and she gives uh, her food to the dog. And when the witch goes to eat her, they all help her escape. And then this just kind of this fantastical story. And actually, I, I read this when I was a young kid and it's had such a huge impact on me. I remember reading it in school and but I remember the illustrations for sure. Like that is what I knew. I couldn't get it out of my head. And as an adult, when I was about uh, 20 or so, I looked, I asked, I looked through bookstores and libraries and I asked librarians, like I could not find this book, but I knew that it like existed. And finally, uh, actually it was kind of anticlimactic. I was sitting in my office and I kind of brought it up and this guy was like, oh yeah, it's bony legs. He looked it up. Here's an Amazon link. You can just buy it. So, but I found it and I'm glad I did because it stuck with me. Yeah, and that image, I know I've seen that before. I just didn't know it was called that. I, and yeah. I, but I've, yeah, I remember. What, what do you think about the illustrations hit you so hard? I think probably just the detail. And I love the line. I love the line work in it, which is something I'm trying to pull into my work now. It's just, I don't know. It's just something about line that I love. It's just very expressive. And, and the mark making is just like, you put a line down, you're done. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, you just can't really overthink it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like I've heard you describe yourself as an introvert and were you a quiet kid? Actually, I'm, I feel like I'm equal parts, both okay. for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was very social, had a lot of friends, but also could play well, like alone and, and yeah, I think I was both, but I'm pretty extroverted. I would say. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you just, I mean, well, the other thing is that you, you seem to spend a lot of time in your studio making work alone. I do that, yes. And I <laughs> Which just is feel hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but you say, I mean, are you comfortable doing that? Are you, do you enjoy that? I do to a certain extent and not at the capacity I am right now. Like I'm kind of, I, I have to find ways to get, like get out and do other things and um, be part of the community. And, and I, and I want to like, I want to collaborate with people in person and like, so yeah, I think I could do that half of my time, but it's kind of like a big realization when you're an illustrator and you're like, Oh my God, I, I just have to sit here alone and draw for, you know, hours on end. It's kind of yeah. lonely. Yeah. It is lonely. So, yeah. yeah. When I get in the thick of a big project like that, I, it, I feel like often for me, it's daunting at first. I'm like dragging my feet. And mm -hmm. then there's a big chunk of it that is quite kind of zen, 
where you're like, okay, I fought this, but now I'm like <laughs> very in the zone and feeling good and like feeling very at peace by doing all of this drawing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, you're, you're derailing part of my narrative here because I was thinking about, I wondered oh, no. if, uh, <laughs> I, no, it's totally fine, but I was wondering if like Garfield and Bony Legs, if, if it was possible <laughs> that you were just a quiet kid and liked that these, these people could be heard with their stories without ever opening their mouths. And I just wondered if, did, oh, that's so did funny. you feel like, uh, did, I mean, as a kid, did you feel heard? Did you feel like, oh, I got tons of, I got plenty of attention and, or did you, f or do you think making art was possibly connected to, I want to be expressed. I want to, I want people to know what's going on in me or pay attention to me or, or whatever. I don't know if, except for a lot of artists, that connection is part of the drive. Yeah. I mean, I heard you talk about this in a recent podcast and I totally connected to it because I didn't feel heard often, like by the people that were important to me. I felt like I was constantly like shifting who I was to them and for them so that I could be close to them. But then I felt so like, well, it came out in anger later on that they didn't really know me. And so I mm. think that's just been something like throughout my life. I just feel really frustrated if people don't know me. So that's really hard. And then if people assume they do with through my work and it doesn't, I don't know, feel genuine. That's, it's just something that's difficult, I think. Um, but in the, in, you know, when I was younger, I felt like, uh, I wanted to achieve in school and in my family improve. And like, if I made good work and I was a good student, then I was, you know, I got attention and I think, yeah. So making art for me was, it was about giving it to people and, and performing in, in front of people or having that connection with people. Like it wasn't just enough to finish a drawing. I wanted to share it with people. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I totally relate to that. I feel like it's so hard. <laughs> it feels so sad, but it's hard to get people's attention even the people yeah. in your life. And then especially certain situations for kids, they find it especially hard to get the attention of their caregivers or the people mm -hmm. in their life or whatever. And I do think impressing them with something like a drawing can mm -hmm. get them to stop for five seconds and look at you and be like, wow, okay, there's, there's, yeah. there's stuff going in there. There's stuff going on in there. I yeah. didn't know. And it's funny, as a, as a parent, I noticed that of like, when my kids make something, it does always surprise me because I'm like, hmm, I didn't know that was in there. And so it wow. is a way of kind of connecting, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't have any children, but I just, it when I'm, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and when I'm around kids in general, I just think, you know, as adults, it can feel very easy to like, okay, the kids are here, they're fine and we're kind of doing our thing, but like that is a whole world going on inside of them and they're going to remember that and like internalize that and they're going to remember one tiny thing you say and I mean, it's just kind of mind-blowing to think about, you know, kind of connecting yourself back into their position and thinking about how they'll remember that situation, you know? Yeah. So I wondered if you could tell us the story of how... Uh, how your book, How to Make Friends with a Ghost, went from a boring editorial assignment to a fun, quick personal project to being one of the Globe and Mail's top 100 books in 2017. Not kids' books, books. It was one of, did you know this? You're aware no, of this? No, actually, I didn't know. Go it check it out. You're next to novels, <laughs> okay. all the, it's crazy. That's insane. So, uh, this, how did this book 
got come from some boring editorial assignment way back in the day 2015 i think maybe is when yeah, you started yeah it. yeah 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 so i was doing we just moved to nashville and i was um i had to do just an autumn illustration for a magazine but i was like totally burnt out i didn't really want to do it and i was like drawing some stuff and i went took my dog for a walk and i was thinking about drawing oh, I don't know, a girl like hanging out by a fire, maybe with some animals. And I was like, this is so boring. There's just like nothing happening with it. And I thought, okay, well, like what, what if it's a ghost? And then I thought about them sitting together and I thought, okay, like what would she be feeding it? And I like to take two things, almost like improving, put things together and, and mash them and see kind of how they fit. And so I thought like, what would, what would it be drinking if it was like, a, you know, what would it be reading? And what would she feed it? And what would a ghost actually want to eat? And then I just thought, oh my God, it would probably do this. And then the whole walk, I just thought like, oh my gosh, there, you know, there should be like a guide. And what if, if a ghost happens to find you, how would you take care of it? Like a pet guide. And then I went home and I just wrote it all down for like hours. And I just thought, oh, I'm just going to make a book. I'm going to put it on the internet and just make a little zine. I was like researching, how do I even make zines? What is that like? What, you know, what is the printing like? And my husband came home and, and uh, I read it to him and he, he is a storyteller. He is like big picture. It needs to mean something. Otherwise don't waste your time. Like you have to feel something. <laughs> he's very yeah. smart with, with storytelling. And, and he's so an English he's, teacher. He's right? an English teacher. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he really helped me with the end. And like bringing that back around where she dies in the end. And so I, I printed out like a uh, hundred copies and I put it on my website and I sold those hundred copies. And then I got a phone call from an editor and um, she had worked with some of my favorite illustrators, which I just like couldn't believe I was talking to her. She asked if I, if I wanted it to be a book. I said, of course. And so I launched into that and then we added more content and redid the illustrations and, and the book came out in 2000. 2017 so it's kind of funny like you know that the book came out four years ago almost four years ago and I've done a lot of books since but that is the book that just feels like well that was mine and it was really I mean to this day it's the the only one I've written and and since then it's funny what you talked about in the beginning feeling like I can never do that again I spent the last (laughs) like three or four years feeling like I have nothing to offer as far as like an author and just this past year I've been working on this story's these uh, series of stories where I'm writing and it's completely separate from the ghost book, but doing a whole picture book series. And it found me in a roundabout way. Actually, it found me in the same way. I was doing a project I didn't really care about and drew these little characters. And I was like, okay, what are these? And then followed that. So anyway, that's kind of how you find them. But I love that. I look back and I love that book. I feel really proud of it. So. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous book. It's great. And uh, the reason I, love that story so much is because it starts with this moment of listening to yourself. And I, you know, I talk a lot about on the show, this idea of getting high on your own supply, like Mm -hmm. making stuff that's to your taste. And Mm -hmm. I was working with this uh, public speaking coach. Her name is Judy Carter. And I was telling her about my taste idea. And she's like, it sounds like what you're saying is listening to yourself. It sounds like you're saying, and she was working on, we were working on like, what's my talk going to be? You know, we were like workshopping ideas and around it. And she's like, it sounds like you're saying, if you, if you want to be heard, you first have to listen to yourself. And, and this idea, it got me thinking about, and what the story, your story, what strikes me about it is all these artists want to be listened to, 
but they don't listen to themselves. <laughs> like, what, what, why would anyone listen to you if you won't listen to yourself? And I just think it's that moment of listening to your own boredom, listening to and hearing that and be like, this is boring. And yeah. being like, okay, well, I, I'm, and that's your taste telling you like, this isn't cutting it. Well, what would be interesting? And then that, the inception point of this whole story comes from this moment of paying attention to your own taste and being like, mm-hmm. the thing I'm making is boring. <laughs> what, how, do, you know, how do I make it not boring to myself? And so I just wondered if, and, and you kind of went into it right now, and I'd love to hear more about it. And maybe you can't say everything if it's not out there in the world. But I wondered how you seem to be going into all of these interesting places creatively, your style's always adapting. I feel like it's getting richer and richer and it's going off into its own territory that I don't see anybody making stuff like this and has all these layers. And I just wonder what does that practice of listening to yourself look like? And maybe you can talk about these new characters or you can just talk about what it looks like in developing your aesthetic and your world building. I don't know. But yeah. how, how do you hear yourself as you're going to make stuff? Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate those words. I think that uh, I think that <laughs> it feels like I'm on the cusp of something. It's 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 like terrifying because you don't really like know what that is. But I am um, I think I'm just trying to specifically connect to what I loved as a kid. I've been doing a lot of exercises with this art- artist group that I'm part of, like finding my values and what what is my goal with my work, and that's shifted it. And then it's just as far as like technique goes, I just feel like I'm drawn to certain things that I'm not seeing a lot of and I feel like, and you talk about this on your podcast, just like there's, if you, if you want something and you don't see it, you, you have to make it. And I feel like there's this kind of balance of this really old, like lived in, worn out, textured, like world that's kind of timeless. And then also this balance of like really playful, like a little bit eerie, imaginative, like childlike. There's just some world I can kind of like feel in my head and I want to put that out on paper. And I, I feel like maybe I will be able to do that in, in, you know, some personal work, but then the stories that I'm working on are, they're very close to home. It's about this mouse and this bee and they live in this cider press that they've like refashioned into a house and they live in the woods in Michigan. So it's very, it's very me. And the, the mouse is a, like a furniture builder. So she salvages old furniture and she's really like sweet and quiet. And then Miko is the bee. She's very kind of fiery and she loves to plan parties and celebration. (laughs) And she's a a chef, which is something I'm also super into is cooking. Um, So, and I, they just have all these little adventures in their community and, and the stories aren't like epic, but they're just about their personalities and the dynamic between them and making the best situation out of like very small instances. And I feel like that is what I am like, and so Mm. putting these out is, it's just, it feels really, I don't know. I feel like, okay, I've hit the mark. You know, I've like finally figured out how to pull this all together. It took a really long time to, to do that, but I feel like I'm launching into that territory. So that feels good. And, you know, it's scary too, because I've had to say no to a lot of other things, like all the picture books that have been coming my way have all been like nonfiction. And, you know, I just feel like if I kept going down that path, 
I could have jobs, but they're, you know, they, they're just a bit, you know, it's not something I'm interested in doing. So it feels like I'm on the right path. But as yeah. far as listening to yourself, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's just, it takes a, a lot of work, you know, it's, it's just about trust, really, like trusting yourself and having the insight to know that you have value in what you think and your story, you know. Absolutely. And I think you're talking about this. I want to go into you talking about this world in your head and saying, oh, I don't see this in the market right now. I'm not seeing this out there, but I know what it feels like. And I've, and I've watched you on your Instagram and all the stuff you're making. I can see you like digging into that. And I just think that requires what I think a lot of people, everybody thinks that the creative work is, oh, it's just too much work. But I actually think the hard thing is it's it's work, but you're also drawing. Like it's not, it's it's not, not you know, like it's not, you're not right. yeah. It, the hard thing is the believing in yourself, believing that this thing that I'm seeing and compelled by, it will, it is something. And if I yes. keep like trying to empty it, and I think the first, if you've never done it, the the fear, or if if, if it's never worked, that's a huge hurdle. Like you're yeah. like, you know, should I try, like there was a project I did back in the day where I, I did a new character every weekday for a year. And that entire time, it was really before, it was the first time I'd ever trusted myself creatively, really. Everything else I'd made up to that time was fine, but it was very trend oriented. Mm-hmm. This was the first time where I was like, nobody's doing this. Nobody, these are not anybody's inspiration of my peers. And I'm just going to do this for a year. I'm going to pour into this. And the going up that first hill of being like, I have no idea if there's anything on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. And then over time realizing like, you know, if you have an experience like the ghost book that you had or just things like that, you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was right about that. <laughs> yeah. Let me try it again. Yes. Um, and it sounds yeah. like you're in that process of, you're, but then you're doing it again. You're like, I'm sure you're feeling that like, was that a fluke though? Like, yes, you know, of course. You're, you're just like, so there, it's always hard. It's always hard trusting yourself and trusting this thing that I think I'm onto something. I have to keep pulling at it and digging at it. Even when I'm like, I don't even, I haven't even seen the gold yet. I just feel like it's there. I yes. don't know. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think throw in like having it be a job or a career yeah. and you have to take that time aside from paying projects and you have to work and you have to put in hours that go towards something that you have no idea if it's going to pay off or not. And I feel like that is terrifying. And, but I do know, and maybe it's from the ghost book and maybe it's cause I've had that experience one time. Thank God I had it that, you know, like if this feels like, so like I'm getting away with something, like it's so indulgent that I'm like, Oh my God, I can't like, it's just flowing out of you. It's all you're thinking about. That is a good feeling. And that has to be trusted. And you do have to fight the urge to say, like, this is too indulgent. I can't do this. This isn't really work. You know, you have that to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting away with something. Feeling yeah. like <laughs> that. It's so true. It's almost like I tell people, like, think about the movies where you walked out and it changed your life. And you look to your three friends and they're all you're like all sobbing and you're thinking, well, we're all <laughs> sobbing. It's not that big a deal. And you look over and they're all like that sucked. And you're like, (laughs) what? And I feel like dive into that because there's something there that, that, that is unique to you. And 
there were people all over the country that you don't know that yeah. had that experience. And that's who you're making stuff for. Absolutely. Okay, I want to go back to you. You're talking about this world, bring this world out. And okay. I wondered if you could speak to, without insulting anybody, what's <laughs> the opposite of this world that kind of, because I always feel like there's a, you're kind of, you're become, you know, when you bring something new in the world, it's often in, in antithesis to what's currently there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you saying, oh, I'm not seeing this. What is the opposite of what you're seeing? Because I wonder if it's like, I do feel like we live in a world where, you know, the 80s media was so dark for kids that I mm -hmm. think uh, they people grew up and were like, wash that away. We need to <laughs> cleanse. These kids have been traumatized by the, you know, never ending story and all this like right. dark stuff. And I do wonder, and I'm just curious, do you, is that what you mean of like, oh, we lost something now that everything's super clean or, or, or new, and it might not even be specifically that. That's an example. What are you not seeing? What are you seeing? What are you, does this, is this a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a question. Okay. Yeah, I, wanna, I want my answer to not hurt anybody's feelings, like you said. I know, so okay. I feel like I, well, it's I not right or wrong or bad or good. It's just your taste and what you want right, to see. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know what? I just think that there's a newness of, of things in the art world or maybe um, even like, I mean, everything. I don't know. Products that are around or clothes or whatever that I've just never been super fascinated with modernity I guess you could call it just like the really clean like things that don't feel like they're gonna last for a long time or they feel like so specific to a time period or they're like I don't know things that don't feel like yeah they're gonna be around for a while and I just feel like there's something the the things that I'm drawn to often feel um you know aged like they've been around a couple hundred years and I just think that there's a it's like an emotional component to that, you know, like it's surrounding yourself by like old wood or whatever versus like something that's like new and shiny and vinyl and plastic. To me that it's the feeling of the former that I don't know, like I resonate to. So. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. I feel like in the early like 2000s, there was just all of this vintage stuff and people were like oh it dressing and all stuff from you know vintage stores or secondhand stuff and then i don't know what how i feel like the indie scene like just got like so it became such a caricature of itself that mm -hmm. like everybody was becoming detached and ironic and it was just whatever then <laughs> eventually i feel like we did get to another side where everything is so shiny everything looks so good and you need like, like I feel like the style now like the the pin boards from that era would have been like all of this old stuff and finding you know things that have been around and trying to like be eclectic and all that and now I feel like it's like slick modern expensive Tom Ford yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who that is but that you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing and I do think yes. you're right about it like we need like let's inject some like history and some like staying power and uh, you know yeah. I think you're I think you're spot on with even that. like 
going into a thrift store, going into a vintage store, I, I come from a small town, and that small town, there's the Salvation Army. They always have gems, just gems, because, you know, everybody wants, like, name brand stuff. Nobody wants anything that, like, this 90-year-old woman dropped off or whatever. And so I used to go in there and just find amazing old things. And now I just feel like I go into the vintage store or thrift stores or whatever, and it's all, like, just new. You know, it's like somebody just bought it, like, four months ago from Target, and now it's in this thrift store. Like, the gems are just becoming more and more rare. <laughs> I just feel like it's sad to see this stuff that doesn't really last. And anyway. I completely agree. But it's, I, and the reason I wanted, to, I, I wanted to unpack that a little bit is just the, I just wanted it to be kind of a, a, a picture of what goes on inside of an artist as they're wrestling with their own personal taste and what that feels and looks like. And as they're trying to give something to the world that it's not, that's not currently happening. I just wanted yeah. people to feel a little bit what that feels like and looks like because you do it so well and the and the work that you're you've been making it feels like such an evolution over the years closer mm -hmm. to this kind of stuff that you're talking about and I feel like there's a richness to the details that although there's a lot of analog picture book type styles mm -hmm. out there I do feel like yours has a depth and a richness that comes from it's got to come from some of this deeply held taste that you have yeah well i appreciate that yeah i hope that comes out more you know in in the coming books i yeah. hope we'll uh, see well i want to give you one last question and i just wanted to see i was thinking about your story and i was thinking about how so many artists start because they want to connect and they want to be heard and and then hearing you with the ghost story, listening to yourself and and that working out. And then I've just one of the things that I've found so fascinating. I love following you on Instagram. I love your work. Thanks. But I also and I but I also hate it. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. The way that I worded that sounded like there was going to be a but at the end, but there wasn't. But it's um, garbage. <laughs> no, uh, no, I absolutely love it. And not but and <laughs> one of the things I find so interesting is that you show up onto that platform in such a different way than I feel like other people do. And I think that it it just made me feel like through this process of making stuff, you know, I, I always think that like artists, a lot of them, they make stuff to become known. And then through making art, they know themselves. And then that becomes mm -hmm. satisfying in a different way than they expected hmm. mm -hmm. and I feel like as I'm watching you in Japan make this stuff and dig into this art and ma make all these layers and you're working experimenting with all these different things and it's just and you can see the evolution and you just seem so quietly going about this happy to like dig in whether people are noticing or not even though you have a big following I'm just wondering my question is what does it sound like in your head and in your ongoing daily practice of creativity, of hearing yourself? I know I asked that in a different way earlier, but what, I don't know, what you seem to have a piece. Let me word it this way. What did, did this past couple years, the, the, the time in Japan, what have, what did you take from it? What did you, what, you feel like you quietly know something and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what is it? Um, 
that's, I, that's the most blunt way I can ask it. Um, that's so funny. Do, does this make sense at all? I get, what you're, all? I get okay. what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And I appreciate it. Uh, and I feel like, um, okay, yeah, I think that I've had Instagram for a long time, uh, about 10 years, 11 years, whatever. And um, I think that you're right in that we, we build the work and then people come to know us. We come to know ourselves and it, and it feels amazing, right? We have this sort of audience. Um, but I think that what I felt like was that I had built something and that people came to know me, but it wasn't really me. Mm. So that felt very like not right. And so I think that I'm very quiet because I'm sort of like figuring out, okay, this is who I am. And then I can jump back in and, and I just want to make sure that I'm showing up being a thousand percent myself. And it's taken me a really like long time to figure out who that is and, and why I love her and what she has to offer and how essentially to not get sucked in by feeling like you should be doing it a certain way, you know? So I definitely like struggle with like Instagram specifically and there. I just took, I mean, I haven't really posted like since the first of the year, I've been kind of like really quiet on there and I'm kind of on there, but more so I just feel like there's a whole life going on outside of it. And I need to give that some attention and I need to like reconnect and I need to figure out what it is I'm making and what I'm saying. And Artists have existed for centuries without having this thing, you know, without having to share on a daily and without having to react and without having to have a, a like audience or like right in your face all the time. And so I think there's a value to that and we need to step back sometimes and like reconnect with that. Um, and then as far as being in Japan, it's kind of funny. I think now, like in hindsight, so I was there for two and a half years. I wish that I would have just deleted my Instagram and just been in Japan. Mm. And I wish that I could have just taken that in and like come back and learn from it. And I did learn a tremendous amount, but it's kind of funny being over there. I just, you know, would, there were days when I was just in my studio alone. I worked from home. My husband was at work for hours and I was just like working and I'm scrolling through and watching everybody else's life. And for some reason I'm jealous of other people's lives when I have this like amazing experience. So it was kind of like living in two worlds at once where I was missing everything at home and I, but I was also so far away and loving everything there. And I think that sometimes social media does that to us, you know, where we're like not in our own life. We're always feeling like we're missing out. And so I wouldn't say like I secretly know anything in the background, but I would say that I needed that space and that time to kind of like figure out outside of that, like how, how I want to approach it. And I think I'm going to come back to it and just be more casual, honestly. Like, I, th I think that's good. I think sometimes we can build it up and think like, oh my God, I have to get really good at reels and videos and this. And I have to like, um, you know, do, do it in a certain way. I have to get good at stories and I have to, and that just stresses me out. So I, I think I'll be pretty casual on it coming back and like just letting it be easy. You know, I feel like that's what I did in the beginning that worked for me and it feels easy. So, yeah. That's really good. I also <laughs> think it's interesting that you did, you did learn from what you know, often the things that we learn are the things that we did wrong and then we do it again and we do it the right way after that. And it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, I, I know it's always, it's painful to have to learn the hard way with things, but having come out of that with Japan and thinking I should have been off Instagram this whole time, mm -hmm. 
well, then taking a break from Instagram is exactly the right step after that. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So you yeah. did, you learned it and you took, and now you're doing it. Now you're, and I, and I am, I do think you're right. You're going to come back with some, with a piece that you didn't have, even though now you're in Michigan back home. And yeah. um, I'm going to, I don't, I'm going to chew on that. I also think it's really, we don't, we're run, we ran out of time, but I, I am curious about what made you feel like people don't know you. Well, I uh, I had a meeting with a, a coach the other day, and I said I really I don't want to be a children's book illustrator. I just got to get out of this. And she, was, but you know, it's like <laughs> that's what I am. It's all over right. my website, like yeah. on my bio. And she was like, and I just signed on to these books. And she was like, okay, we got to figure that out because that's why is that? And I think it I think it's um, because I feel a little bit like a fraud in the book world and like I told you in the beginning I'm like I'm not a storyteller I don't tell stories I'm not of the book world and so I just feel like there's something about that sort of like umbrella of what we think of when we think of children's book illustrator and I just think I've kind of wanted to escape that and run maybe I feel like too boxed in by it you know I'm coming to terms with it she was like you know she kind of gave me some cues on how to think about approaching that right like it's in your in your last uh, one of your last podcasts, you talked about like you find a house, but you don't have to keep the house like that. You just arrange yes. the house how you want it. Yeah. And this is the 100%. same thing. Uh, I, I was, you get that, to make what being a kid's book illustrator means to you. Exactly. You can tear down exactly. walls and reinvent it. Yes. Totally, totally. And I think that I just kind of got stuck in that. And I just felt like, well, this is what picture book illustrations look like and feel like and act like. And this is how you do it and blah, blah. And I just wasn't really interested in a lot of that. And I guess I just you know, I've done technically sound work for a long time. I think like it's always been part of my practice is to, um, the technique is, is important, but like I am drawn to crazy childlike work, like children's drawings and like stuff that doesn't make sense and stuff that yeah. isn't like realistically possible. And I'm like, how can I do that? How can I, c so I feel like I'm just not, I don't know. I don't know. There's just like something there and I want, for some reason, I just feel like I need people to understand that that is what, uh, not that I'm capable of, but like, I don't know, just something in that I just feel like I'm not getting across. And so people were like, yeah, I get it. I, I, you know, I see your style and I'm like, okay, you see a style, but you can't see it. But to be fair, I mean, just in general, I feel like everyone probably feels like they're not totally known. And my husband's like, don't you just think, I, you know, I feel like we've talked about this before and, and he's like, but. I don't think you can really know anybody, you know, nobody feels a hundred percent known and seen and I don't know. So I'm balancing that too. Right. Well, I do, but that's just your problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I'm very gracious, uh, gr very grateful. I mean, to you for being so gracious with sharing because you know, maybe I'm projecting here, but you talking about, saying, oh, I, I don't, I went to my coach and said, I don't want to be a kid's book illustrator or author anymore. And then you kind of backpedaling to be like, I'm sorry, I, maybe you're not, but being like, I look, I'm grateful to do this. And I actually, maybe I do, you know, or just yeah. like trying to g cover up the, the pot, the, I don't know why that it, you might be doing that, but I do this all the time. Yes. Of, yeah, I do. You know, feeling like, and I'm sorry to call you. I feel like I'm calling you out on it. I'm not calling you out You're on not, backpedaling. No, I'm no, just, I I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to highlight that it's a gracious act, and it's what people need. I think 
with podcasts like this is to see someone with your storytelling chops, your history, the books that you've made, the style that you have, the technical ability to be in your shoes and to know that you still are going to have weeks where you're like, you know what? F this. I don't like this. <laughs> Nobody. I, I want to go be something else. I'm going to be a carpenter now. Okay. Yes. Like, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that being just standing by that and being like, yeah, that's how I felt. And I think that there's legitimate reasons why I was discontent and the discontent of not feeling known. I just, everything you said, I feel very often, very mm. often. Thank you. Yeah. I really thanks appreciate for, it. Thanks for being on the show and, and thanks for sharing your story so uh, openly. Yeah. It was a dream. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Okay. I hope that you feel as inspired as I did at the end of that chat. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for taking out so much time to chat with me and and share so much with the audience. Go check out Rebecca's absolutely incredible illustration work at Rebecca Green Illustration. I'm guessing you're already a fan because her work is just um, fantastic. Thanks again, Rebecca. I hope you come back again soon. Hey, two quick things. First of all, we still have just a few of the original sketches for the first 250 orders of calendars. We've got a few of those left. Uh, go get yours, creativepeptalk.etsy.com for a 2022 Creative Pep Talk calendar. Keep you pepped throughout the year. Very excited about that calendar. It's full of my favorite art from the past year that we did for the show. And the calendar feels like the album drop, you know, of all my favorite songs that I've written this year, but pictures. And also we're starting to book up some in-person talks in the new year. So if you have a conference or a team or a school that needs a creative pep talk, We are starting to book those slots out now. You can find out info on how to get in touch at antijpizza.com slash info. Thanks to everybody for listening. Creative Pep Talk is part of the Kolu Podcast Network. The Kolu Podcast Network is a bunch of podcasts that are designed to fuel your creativity. Massive thanks to Why, the band Why for our theme music, to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully. And thanks to Sophie, my wife, and Ryan Appleton, my brother. He's not really my brother. My manager for content assistance. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.